welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Welcome to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Uh, this is the second race of 2022. We are in Saudi Arabia. Well, we're not. Um, but the Formula One circus is Harry Tucker, Connor McNally, Trevor Long with you. Harry, uh, let's kick it off. Um, it's KO Mini versus full race uh, review time. Uh, for those driving to work or getting up and thinking, should I watch the race? Where are you at with this, buddy? It is mini at best. Wow, That's Connor. What I say. Yeah, I have to agree with Harry. Mini at best. I'm right into the highlights of this, um, but I, I wouldn't mind if I if put it this way. If I was if I was starting work this afternoon, I'd definitely watch the whole race. I have no issues really? with that whatsoever. Yeah, what for? I think there's a bit in there. Well, let's let's unpack. Well, it, okay? I, guess that's, I guess that's why people are listening, right? To answer that <laughs> that's question. A, uh, that's well. Let's hope so. Um, look, and I may be a Robertson Crusoe on this one. I may be alone, and no one else agrees. But personally. Um, I thought it was an okay race. There was a lot to learn from it. Uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at KO. Uh, KO have uh, every single race live. In fact, all practice and qualifying sessions are available on freebies too. So if you haven't signed up for KO yet, well, what the hell's stopping you? But uh, more importantly, if you haven't, you can sign up um, uh, without paying and get access to all the practice and qualifying sessions. If you want to watch the races live, you get four additional cameras every single race, uh, and you can do that all with a KO subscription. Um this was uh, this was a strange weekend. We should address the, uh, I guess, the politics of the weekend uh, first, boys. Um, Harry, a couple of days ago, it was kind of like, is this race going to happen? Because after um, the first day of practice, there was a uh, some sort of missile attack or an attack on mm-hmm. a um, Aramco oil depot about twelve k's from the track, uh, very visible from the track. Um, and there was a team uh, principals meeting. They said, "Yep, we'll keep going." Then there was a drivers' briefing, which went hours and very very late into the night harry yeah it was it was a situation where clearly there are a lot of people uncomfortable in the paddock but also a lot of people who didn't know how to handle it because you know yeah. the, the truth of the matter is you're not in a country under a government that you can really be you know make a free decision in that and that's not even you know an opinion that's coming from here that was very much from the comments that we heard there that it was you guys race or though the government will do what they did to the wwe guys last year or the year before or whenever it was where they literally stranded them at the airport and mm. wouldn't let them get out. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see a lot more come out of that as soon as the paddock is out of the country. Yeah, uh, right. I think you there see, are going to be a lot once, of... Once they've left the country, oh, yeah. the uh, the actual yep. conversation can begin. Yeah, I think... Yeah. I think, And you can tell by, you know, Toto and, and you know, his comments and just the... Uh, even Christians as well was basically that they went into the drivers, said, listen, there is nothing we can do. We're all going to be freaking stuck here. We all just want to get out, say the lines, and then we'll, we'll work with the FIA to see what our options are to come back. And which I think what's interesting, though, Harry, yeah. is that no one uh, – I mean, that, there was a report from the BBC which stated that, right, which basically said that um, there was this kind of threat or concern uh, around actually getting out of the country. That's not been spoken by anyone which i think goes to your point about you know who wants to say anything while you're in the country but connor did you ever feel during that night or the the next morning that we would not go racing no i didn't i I think honestly 
we would have gone ahead. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, money talks, and that's exactly what's happened with Formula One. I mean, they're going. Formula One's been going into different places around the world um, with some pretty atrocious human rights records. Let's face it, but it's still they're trying to take the sport to the world. And uh, yeah, I don't know about South um, Saudi Arabia after this weekend. I really don't. I mean. I think they had to save face and just get the weekend done. That's all they yeah, had to I think, do. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think the interesting thing is I think I got caught up in the uh, the social media, I guess, commentary around it. Um, a lot of, you know, absolute Neville's um, expressing opinions and making it clear that the thing shouldn't go ahead for all these different reasons. But the fact is, this is not new. It's not like there was suddenly – see, it's not, it's not about Russia and Ukraine. This is an ongoing thing that's been going for a decade. So – we, we went there last year with this same kind of cloud yeah. hanging over the head of the area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, there, there wasn't an attack in the same race week, but there was Formula E where it had the same problem. So yeah. it's not like getting there, they didn't know. Uh, now, I don't know what Martin Brundle had on this weekend, but maybe he made the wise decision overall. But look, they went racing. Well, and I, I, I like the right. Vettel theory. Yeah, the, which is that the he Vettel have theory. COVID. Yes. Yeah, no, no COVID. Just avoid the uh, the politics of it all. A lot of people were saying if Seb was there, it would have been a very different outcome from that drivers' meeting. I don't think, Look, but I don't think because I, 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 I genuinely think that that the teams, particularly the principals, didn't want to be there, but they knew the political situation and that there was nothing mm. they could do and just need to play the game until we're all out. So and and I, I think, think you know, in the end, we'll know Seb wouldn't have in the next that, week. Yeah. We'll know, we'll oh, know yeah, in Australia yeah. because the, the opinions will be expressed at then, by then, and uh, we should know full well what's happening over the coming years with that race. So, look, we get into the race. Um, we had uh, fantastic qualifying. Uh, Sergio Perez getting his first ever pole position, um, uh, starting on pole 11 years to the day since his uh, debut in Formula 1, which is a really cool stat. Um, and, Connor, it was, a, it was a nice, clean start by Perez. This was... This is a really good race start for a man that, you know, had uh, the the weight of his career on his shoulders there for a minute. A- absolutely. And you know what I was absolutely impressed with was that everyone had a very clean start. We were expecting mm. yeah. chaos. And, and like, for, for a track that is probably, the f- yeah, is without doubt the fastest track on the calendar and probably one of the most dangerous tracks on the calendar, everyone got through that opening lap without any dramas whatsoever, which is quite staggering in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the the cleanness of the start, Harry was was probably this the the headline for the first <laughs> few laps because it was essentially you know remember last year we had two red flags so um, this this was not expected uh, they they were very uh, polite to each other as they as they took those uh, high speed turns at every point of the the first first few laps. Yeah, it was especially because we've come to with street circuits in particular you've come to expect chaos in that mm. in that first corner first lap and there was nothing. It was just good, clean racing. And even like through the, you know, there was a lot of DNFs, which we'll get through. And as far as I can remember, none of them were from, you know, crashing out, properly crashing out either. There's a couple of little dings and stuff, but not not what you expect. No, there was no, there, there, there was, there, to be honest, the only actual um, uh, tire to tire, carbon fiber to carbon fiber action was in the last few laps yeah. uh, in terms of actual uh, debris on the track from racing incidents. The rest were, uh, um, you know, off by their own means or, or mechanical failure. Connor, the, uh, the the first couple of laps also saw some nice stuff. Uh, K-Mag and Lando passing Gasly. And that kind of, for me, was really fascinating because it really shows that we, we're getting racy. And that's what I like Absolutely. about this race. There was there was some raciness. 
Um, you know, KMAG, I think, is probably the best example of the day of just being, uh, you know, on on people consistently. Absolutely. And you know what I thought was really exciting was the battle between the Alpines. The Alpines were really racing hard against one another. Ocon and Alonso, they were giving each other an inch. Uh, I thought that was probably one of the better battles of the the entire race in that early segment. Uh, it was really, really good to watch. But I thought for a moment during that battle between each other, they were going to touch and take each other out, which would have caused an absolute calamity. But they didn't. And in the end, um, yeah, it was Ocon that eventually got uh, the the battle won. But uh, uh, only, yeah. only by by virtue of, uh, of Fernando not uh, failing to finish. But uh, I think that um, I, I think that the battle. Uh, was won by Alonso, Harry, but yeah. gee whiz, you would have been nervous to be part of the team. In fact, they showed a shot, forget, oh, like, they showed a shot okay. of the, the team garage for a minute. And it was like, you know what, those poor mechanics, they're <laughs> sitting there, they're trying to build these things and these two there's are no going wheel to wheel. in that scenario. Like there's no one, right. no one in that garage, there's only a loss. Like that's the only thing that you can look forward to. You're not was, happy yeah. though with Crofty's uh, oh, um, interrogation like, of Otmar. Yeah, on Otmar. The port, like the bloke is there stressing as all hell and Crofty's just being like a typical tabloid journo trying to get the, the whole gotcha like statement out of him in the moment. It's just like, mm. let the guy like come back to him in two minutes. He's clearly, you know, not willing to, doesn't want to talk about his team like that, watching them like that while they're racing. Like just freaking read the room, Crofty. I actually think oh. Otmar was extremely open with Crofty in that, yeah, in that first response. Because he said, he said, we no, we're letting them race for now. Well, the next question, Connor, shouldn't have been, you know, oh, this is exciting. Are you going to team? It's repeating the same thing. It should have been, how what long will you let me? them race yeah. for? I would have asked that question as well, but I, I don't know, not my situation. Would you have answered that question? Uh, no. Maybe there might be times we think, Crofty, just shut up and let me focus on the race without you yabbling in my ear. Mm. I mean, sometimes are you, are you I mean, worried it's great. about it's... what's going to happen? Well, fucking, of course exactly. he is. Of course I am. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the, everything we're talking about has happened within the first six laps here, right? There was three or four laps of of wheel to wheel Alpine racing. By this time, Lewis Hamilton, who started what fifteenth or so, um, still yep. hadn't passed Daniel Ricciardo. Um, so that to me was an early indicator that you know Mercedes in years gone by when. You know, situations worked against them, especially for Lewis, maybe not in the 15th, but certainly in, in the back of the pack, sometimes at the very, very back, um, they, they would, you would see their speed come through, right? But Harry, mm. it wasn't obvious at any point that Mercedes had speed. And I think that just reinforces the fact that they have a long way to go. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it's just, you know, the, them as the team. I think it's anyone with a Mercedes in the back. Mm. Um don't yeah. think it's a coincidence two races in a row that all the weakest teams have a Mercedes power unit. So yeah, I, I, yeah. What I find probably the the most interesting point is that George is far ahead, leaps and bounds ahead of Lewis. And I mean, Lewis struggled badly all through the weekend. We saw the fact that he failed to get past Q one in a car that really wasn't behaving that well. And George was able to sort of have a handle of that car. It, it, it's quite clear that uh, George is really putting. Um, Putting the uh, the sword to Lewis at this point in time, it's well, very very interesting. They're running different yeah, cars, I... though, aren't they? I thought that was they came in and they're they're trying different things up with Lewis's car. Well, Toto at the very happy. very start of the race told someone, maybe uh, someone on the grid, um, that they tried a different, they tried a setup strategy that had failed, 
with Lewis. So, and question whether or not they should have started from the pit lane and reversed that strategy. So, it, I don't know if they're different cars, but they're certainly very mm, different sorry, configurations, yes. Harry. Right? Poor I think. Use, that, yeah, yeah. Poor use of words on my end. Um, I think. I think the challenge. The challenge for Lewis is you're right, Connor. You know, Russell's just consistently just just better, just just a little bit better. That's all that matters, and that's going to play against Lewis's <laughs> mindset. Lewis did you know make up ground very early, very quickly though, because uh, Ricardo had stopped on I think on lap eight um, to to switch to the hard tires. Um, by this time, Perez has got a two point three second lead, um, Connor, and, and that that showed his natural pace. And I think that's the great thing about um, Perez having a solid lead was he had pace. Uh, qualifying wasn't a freak outcome. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, and I think also Red Bull must have learned from all the dramas with the uh, the fuel pump issues that brought them down last week with those power units. So they, they handled the pace pretty well. I was very surprised at uh, how well Red Bull were actually going, particularly Perez. I was very impressed with his natural speed, as you said. And he actually handled the pressure really, really well. He just like he was in that groove right up until that first set of pit stops when things started to unravel. And that's thanks because of Nicholas Latifi, who crashed out at the final corner. You know, what's fascinating, though, is this this race really took a, a solid turn, but it was, forget the safety car for a moment, it was it was a strategic bluff, which I quite quite enjoyed. And I'm, I'm amazed that it was fallen for by Red Bull, and maybe they'll never admit it, but... Leclerc himself came on the radio, Harry, and said, um, box to overtake. That's what he said. And then the, the the team confirmed that. Now, box to overtake in general terms is, I assume, let's undercut. Uh, but also in, in that same message, it's do the opposite of what they do. And Perez pitted, Harry. Oh, I found that staggering. It's especially funny when you consider that Mercedes does that sort of stuff all the time. All the time. And Lewis. Think, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, they're not. They know. Like, you'd pick up on it by now, surely. And they've just, what, do they think that Ferrari is not going to play those games as well now that yeah. they're competitive again? Yeah. That you've was got a, a feel for Checo, right? Yeah, you've you got to feel for Checo. Oh. They pull Checo oh. in, Leclerc stays out, Check, and then the next lap, there's the a safety car which allows everyone in. Um, it allows Perez to drop back through the field because they've all pitted under the safety car. He's essentially lost the race through a Ferrari bluff, Connor. And a lot of bad luck. It was a great bluff, wasn't it? Oh, a lot of bad luck in the end and also um, almost trying to push off Science as he had pitted and came out. So he had to give that place back to Science in the end, otherwise he would have copped a penalty. But, yeah, just pure bad luck by uh, just probably – bit of idiocy for Red Bull, even though, as you said, they probably won't admit that, but just a little bit of idiocy there by Red Bull to bring Sainz in, well, not Sainz, um, Checo in early. Yeah, Perez. And, yeah, that'll be a race that'll go begging for the, for the Mexican. But the fact is he led the race from pole position. No one can take that away from him, that's for sure. But it was just perfect for Ferrari. They really called the bluff on Red Bull, and they led for the rest for most of the rest of the race up until the last few laps. And, it was it was a great ploy by Ferrari. They did very well out of it. Oh, this they'd be sitting there going, "Can you believe that worked?" I mean, that, they would they would <laughs> legit be going, "Can you believe these idiots boxed Perez?" I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. And he also he had a two second lead, so it would have been a really solid undercut for that to work, especially given it's a speed track, less attraction track, and therefore I'm not even sure the undercut would be that powerful. But anyway. That leave that aside for now. I um, wonder. Uh, look, yeah, the only, 
I wonder if they saw some speed in the hard tyres. Maybe it was just coincidence. Because there was a couple of people Maybe. on hards at that mm. point. Latifi well, Dan was ran, on hards. Dan Latifi Connor ran yeah. out of talent, frankly, on the last turn. I don't know how that's that could be blamed on the car. It looked a lot like he just tapped that uh, right foot a touch too early. Yeah, way too early, in my opinion. Put the wall and uh, see you later. And that's that's what uh, brought out the safety car. At this point now, y- you've got people like K Mag and Hamilton up in sixth and seventh. Now that's due to the fact that they had not stopped. Let's be clear, and they started on the hard tires. But it began to look quite exciting at that point because you've got this K-Mag and Hamilton in around seventh. They did some some solid battling there too, which, again, just how frustrating would it be to be Lewis Hamilton? Mm. And the thing about a Haas is, not just that it's a different coloured car to normal, but it's got Haas written just straight over the back wing. (laughs) It's got to be a horrible thing for him to race, right, Harry? Don't you reckon that's the thing that would be worst? I I think for anyone else, it would. But I honestly think that that Lewis is the type of guy there to just he'd be focused on himself. Like he that would yeah. not be I don't think that would be in his mind. I think it would be him. He he'd be pissed that that he has missed that corner or that he can't get this grip. Not that it's a house in front. But maybe you know, mm-hmm. if it's a Max Verstappen of the world, we uh we could see him just driving to the back. So yeah, different, yeah. different story. I, I, I just think that Hassan just trolling the entire field right now with that car that, and they're just doing absolute great wonders with this thing that let's face it, a couple of years ago, they were pieces of shit and now they're back in the mid, well, a couple of years ago, six 10. months ago. Yeah, I know. Well, you can go as far back as six months ago, but yeah, it's like I've turned a piece of shit into a, into a, you know, a piece of art and they're, they're going up against Mercedes and they held their own for a good while too, until Hamilton did, did get past Verstappen, um, not Verstappen, uh, Magnussen. Yeah. And look, great drive from Magnussen. The fact that he actually was st- suffering with neck spasms and that, like his neck yeah. was not coping mm. with the, the sheer speed around Jeddah, and he managed to hold his own very, very well. I, I, I'm impressed. Uh, if I was Gunter, I would uh, change the side riding in the back to, to say, you're fol- can you believe you're following a house or something like that, just to <laughs> really play with more. It, um, it all, we, we, we kind of fast forward now to around lap 36, and I think that's the point where you know that's a, that's a lot of laps to be fast forwarding, uh, I guess, and that's the point about the race being m- maybe more a highlights race. But it this race turned on its head very quickly. Alonso suddenly slowed, um, and I, Crofty, I'll be honest, picked up the the dash. He must have a much bigger screen and higher resolution than I did. Um, picked up the dash. Actually said, "Cool the car." Um, almost immediately at the same time, Daniel. Uh, had to pull over at the, uh, exactly in almost exactly the same situation, but just in you know, a lost lost drive completely and didn't make it to the pits. While they're out in a virtual safety car scenario with Marshalls pushing them down the pit lane, which felt weird, I'll be honest. But I guess, it, yeah, that was uh, I don't was know. Harry, what do you feel about was quite that? uncomfortable with that. No, yeah, I feel like like they're still going quick. Like you, they're you watched the onboard of, of Leclerc speed? through his yeah. helmet during that virtual safety car. They were fast. You know, forty percent of three hundred kilometers an hour is still friggin' almost one hundred and fifty kilometers an hour. Like it's not, yeah. it's not like these guys are going. You're a school zone, forty kilometers an hour there, and these couple of guys pushing the car. They're going faster than you're going on the highway. Yeah, so I'm still true. trying to work out. I'm still trying to work out why they didn't bring out a full safety car. It, it just made no sense to me why you bring out a virtual safety car. It, yeah, look, I Don't think under- the virtual safety car. It, is there for these moments, but in this specific moment, 
the cars were in the pit entry uh, on a straight, I don't know, I just felt like a virtual safety car was a perfect thing for, say, it was Albon at the very end that, you know, pulled off, um, and he pulled off in a good spot to be pushed mm. backwards. That's fine. You know, it's, 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 it's a runoff area, but they should be going slower, um, and you should be able to put a marshal out and push it back. No, no equipment required. I feel like that's the point is no equipment is required. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, you know, that's like the reasoning. Technically, for a, for a safety car versus technically virtual. no equipment was retired uh, required. So, yeah, but yeah, it was probably it's probably too down. long to push yeah. it though. Yeah, I was I was bummed for Valtteri because he he pitted uh, either just just in the virtual safety car or just before it, so he had uh, fresher tires, and then he pulled in and, and retired the car. So we lost in the space of literally no time. Alonso, um, Ricardo, and Bottas. That was weird. Um, Joined Latifi, yeah. and by the way, Sonoda didn't even start the race because of a powertrain failure we don't yet know about, and that essentially gave you know some precedence to people like Pierre Gasly and Kevin Magnussen. We'll talk about shortly, but with nine laps to go, uh, oh by the way, during the virtual safety car, um, while I think the pit lane was open, Lewis missed the call or the team missed the call to call him in by I reckon forty meters, Connor, and, <laughs> yeah. and it. Like, seriously, mm. how do they not know on track where he is? How do they call Box Box when he's driving past them? Bit of a dud call by Mercedes and Bono, isn't it? Like, it, it just beggars belief that they had. They said, oh, Box Box, but he missed the pit entrance. Mm. And he just, just, yeah, bad timing by Mercedes. They really snooked themselves with that call. And and poor Lewis, you got to feel for him because he lost quite a few places. He, he could have almost finished out of the points. That's mm. the thing. And cost cost Mercedes a lot of points as a result. Do you know this? The field was quite tightly bunched, and not just because of virtual safety cars and and, and the earlier safety car. I think the racing is tighter, and the, the field is less um, spread out, and therefore there's less of those big, you know, full pit stop vantage gaps at the moment. Um, though Lewis, you know, had to pit with nine to go, he, he came out on track back in twelfth. So that becomes a very big risk for them and a very big hope with nine laps that he's going to use his tyres to to push ahead. Lewis ended up finishing in 10th, so he did get a point, which is not a bad thing. But, Harry, this race just became a battle of the DRS zones, and yeah. I'm pretty confident uh, Martin Brundle, if he was in commentary, would have had a lot to say about this because we know he hates DRS. Oh. We know he doesn't like the idea of it being needed. And this was and- an example. And this was and was this the same track last year where Max didn't give the position back, or was that a different uh, track where he was, you know, waiting to give the position back based on where the safety card did, or the DRS detection yeah, line it was, was? It was, yeah, it was that. It was the and same so track last year. That, that's that that's a problem. Now it was hilarious and it was interesting to watch, um, but it has to change because Harry, we had a situation where there's enough. There's three DRS zones on this track, so you've got enough to make up space and get behind someone. And on that last kind of sweeping hairpin turn leading onto the straight, there's a DRS detection zone at, you would say at the, at the middle of the breaking point, maybe it's not really at the end or the start of the breaking point. It's kind of in the middle of the breaking point. And what happened was throughout the race, many people um, strategically did not pass. Uh, Lewis was probably the, the most obvious on this many, many times did not pass into the last turn so that they could be within milliseconds, get the DRS and do the pass on the straight. And that turned into a very interesting battle for the last three or four laps, Harry. 
Well, I mean, you know, the positives, as you say, was we got to really witness the racecraft, the racecraft of Charles Leclerc, who he's a phenomenal driver. He, yeah, I yeah. think he's now that he's in the car to prove it. He's, to me, in my opinion, he, I think he's the most talented of that young crop. But that's beside the point right now. Um, but yeah, you saw that with that that DRS there; it creates like that. But the problem as well is tracks like this compounder when you've only got one sort of real overtaking zone you know you're forced to to i guess base your strategy around these like weird little things like that which i guess just aren't even core racing and and in fact part of it goes against what it what it means to be a core racer where you're purposely slowing down um and i think whatever lap it was i felt like it was three to go you're you're spot on The, the idea of a uh in your core as a racer locking up the brakes into the yeah. last turn to gain an advantage into the straight makes utterly no sense. In no drive racing school would that be taught, right? It's all about getting a good braking point, good brake application, good turn in, apex and exit, right? There's nothing to do with locking up so that you're behind the driver yeah. as you enter the turn. It's ridiculous, Connor. Even though I loved watching it, it has to change. It does have to change. And everyone on Twitter, on the socials, I was saying they were playing DRS chicken. They were trying to outwit one another. And in the end, it was Verstappen that outwitted Leclerc and got the win. Mm. So it was just, it was silly tactics from both of them to try and outplay one another. But in the end, Verstappen got the advantage that he wanted. And he he had to play it, I think, in my opinion. Um, one of the narrowest. No discredits. Probably not the way I would have done it. No. Not the way I would have played it. This is the point. Both of them are brilliant drivers. Both of them are cunning and they both played each other as best they could lap after lap. And Max only just came out on top and, and, and he won the race. So all credit to him, but great credit to Charles for his racecraft, I think. And that's, that's the thing that stood out most to me there. I think Charles probably has the advantage on Max in that racecraft sense. Uh, you know, and that's, that's obvious to me because Max is the one that locked up and, and went slight sideways into that turn um, to avoid the DRS line. It just didn't look great. Um, I, I will I will give credit to Charles though. He actually gave Max plenty of room when mm. they locked brakes. Like when Max was locking his brakes in that final corner, Charles gave the 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 courtesy to give him all that room that he needed. And he, he could have closed the door, but he didn't. I was I very they, impressed. I, I think he knew where he was at in the sense of not exactly a a safe track to to have an incident on, as we saw. Oh, well, we, do we, we haven't touched on that yet, actually. Why there was only 19 cars on the grid. Well, yeah, I mean, Mick Schumacher. Yeah, well, Mick Schumacher, yeah, crashed out in Q2 and, and quite ferocious speed too. Like he was, I think it was just approaching the, the top end of the circuit, so um, the first hairpin. And like he hit that wall twice at around about 160 mm. miles an hour. 33 so Gs. The critical thing about that um, incident and why it felt to us as viewers, which sounds weird, um, even worse than it was, um, was pointed out by Gunter um, after after qualifying because as he hit the the wall the first time, all telemetry was lost with the car. So they had no radio, there was no vision. Every all the uh, all, all the transmission from the car was lost, and it wasn't until obviously they recovered the car and they obviously have SD cards on the cars, you know, in those uh, cameras, Harry, because the last night whenever they showed a replay. Uh, after qualifying, once they knew Mick was okay, the car on the onboard, the car spun, and as it, as the as the uh, tail drifted out, the the they never showed it going into the wall. 
And I thought that's interesting um, because we know he's okay. It's because everything was lost because this morning oh, when they showed the, the crash again before the race, they showed everything and multiple onboarders, including the one looking at, at Mick, where he in the crash took his hands off the wheel, put them up together, not, not to pray, but you know, up together in front of his head to keep them away from the wheel and just let it happen. If you'd seen that last night, you'd be like, he's clearly fine. He might have, you know, some uh, leg soreness or injuries, but he's definitely okay. Um, it's amazing how much we rely on, you know, the driver saying they're okay, the telemetry, the cameras. Um, and he was clearly okay now. He's well checked up. It was like he could race, but the team chose, they, they, they had enough parts to build a new car, but they chose to not waste those parts on a potential crash here because they needed yeah. parts for Australia. So they essentially chose Harry to build a car for Australia instead of Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, the smart decision for them. He's not going to have to agree with you know, that. Even if he's medically cleared, he's not going to feel 100%. It's going to be a rush well, job. He suffered risks. Yeah. Smart he call. suffered mild concussions. So yeah. I don't think there was any chance he was going to race in the end because of that mild concussion. But it was a smart decision by Haas to decide not to let Mick race and save the parts for for the next round in two weeks. Yeah. Very, very logical. All right. Um, we'll get on to the teams and drivers shortly. We do it all thanks to the good people at KO. And KO, um, not just the races, not just qualifying, not just practice, but every single week you've got the F1 show, uh, Ted's Notebook, uh, GP Confidential. There's the Mobile One Show, The Grid. There's a bunch of docos and a library of content as well on KO. So if you're a Formula One fan and you sign up to KO, you choose Formula One as one of your sports of choice, You'll just be served up F1 content after F1 content. And plus, of course, there's plenty of other great content like MotoGP and the supercars, uh, which I watched all weekend. Not a bad weekend in Tasmania either. Boys, um, Max Verstappen took the win. Charles Leclerc second. Carlos Sainz third. Um, Connor, not a bad weekend for Ferrari as a team. If we look at the teams now, Ferrari would be very pleased with this because they've had two consistent Mm. weekends, even though they, they didn't get the win. They're showing speed. They're showing reliability. This is a good sign for them. It's a very good sign. And the fact that they've read the rules very, very well. I mean, they're sitting atop of the constructor standings at the moment, which says a lot. They've mm. they've, they've really built spoiler a Spoiler alert. Wow. <laughs> spoiler alert when spoiler you think about it. But, I know. But when you think about it, They've built the cards of the rules probably to the nth degree, and it's paying off in dividends already. They've really done well. And I can't wait for the remaining, what, 21 races of the season. I think they'll go very, very well in two weeks' time in Melbourne. Mm. They've got a car that can potentially, you know, beat the entire field. And Leclerc's looking really racy. Feel a little sad for Sainz tonight or this morning. He, He should have been up there a little bit more, but... I think he'll come into his own as the season progresses, and he will win races. There's no question about that. But Leclerc, he's definitely showing he's going to challenge Verstappen for that world title this year, and they're really playing their cards very, very closely right now. They're they're playing their hands at every race. I'm very impressed. And, Harry, I mean, Red Bull, um, not the ideal outcome because obviously Sergio should have won this race, but they got a win, um, and Christian wouldn't give a rat's because he loves Max. Um, but they also, you know, one and four isn't good enough overall, but it's a good recovery from last week, given that they, uh, the, the, they, they had the reliability to make it to the checkered flag. As he st- said at the start of the race, you know, we've got to see the checkered flag before we know that that issue has been fixed. Yeah. And I think that's very much the vibe that you get from the team at the moment in the sense of, I think from most teams in that sense of like, you know, new, new year, completely new regulations, 
we're all still learning. No one really knows where anyone's going to be in the, you know, in the mid-year. So we'll sort of take what we can get at the moment. And I think Red Bull yeah. will be absolutely over the moon at that win because it's just it's not expected at this stage. I think despite um, Fernando's failure, Alpine and Otmar would be pretty happy with this weekend, Definitely. Connor, because they were yeah. racy, they were fast. Uh, Esteban took sixth. Um, this is all, this is a good thing for, for the team. It's, uh, it's very good signs, assuming they have development pace left in the team. It's a confidence booster for Alpine without a question. I've got to say, if they had taken each other out in that early stage of the race, it would have been an absolute disaster for them. But mm. in the end, despite the fact that Alonso retired, it was a very, very good race. They could have snatched a podium if things went wrong for Red Bull and Ferrari. No question. So a podium or two this year for Alpine looks very much a certain that they have a very, very good car. And I think, I don't think they'll win races this year, but coming into 2023, if Oscar does come into his own as a driver for 2023, he'll be right up there for the taking. It'll be really good signs for Alpine moving forward into this season. Harry, uh, despite um, Valtteri's retirement, Alfa Romeo had a pretty good race uh, overall in terms of where, what they showed and where their speed was because Valtteri had speed. Uh, Guan Yuzhou actually had speed. Um, he, he got penalised. He got a time penalty that they didn't serve properly, so he got a drive-through. So 11th place actually doesn't show where he would have been in that race. So I think that for Alfa Romeo, again, not a freak one last week. This is this is clearly a team that has some pace. I think the teams, I mean, unless you're, you're Williams or Aston, are potentially just a lot closer than we're used to. So it's just you, you mm. might see these sort of results, you know, from each week, which is what we want, like where you're mm. not convinced who is going to end up in P17 and maybe that car next week is going to be P7 which is, yeah, that's been missing for, for years. And I think that's sort of where we're at because AlphaTauri, for example, looked the opposite. After after last yeah. week looking much stronger, they were really quite average speed this week. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's going to be very interesting. Mm. I have to say, I have to say, if Joe hadn't got that drive-through penalty, had he had served that, that five-second penalty probably. in that first pit stop, he probably would have finished a little bit higher. But yeah. I've got to say as well, what a retirement I, I've got to say, or yeah, the retirements did help a lot, but the fact that you know the, the driver changes this year for Alfa Romeo, it's helped them in a tremendous way. Had they kept with Raikkonen, well, I know Raikkonen would not stayed on, but had they'd kept Giovinazzi, I don't think they would have gone as further up the field as they have this year with Bottas and Joe. No way. And the the, the driver change just really helped the confidence in that team just as much as Alpine's confidence has boosted. That they're they're the, they're the team that's improved. Before we talk individual drivers, can we just talk whether or not we should ever be betting again on Formula One because it's so hard? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It used to be a little uh, bit easier to find those hedgies, but like, what about how, how's my form today? Right, Charles Leclerc to win, Max Verstappen podium finish, Sergio Perez fastest lap. Like that was that was. Did you have leading after first lap? That was fo- no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. Um, that was I'll a twenty. Uh, that was that was a ten dollar stake. Um, didn't win that. Max Verstappen to win, Charles Leclerc podium. And Sergio Perez fastest lap, also no return at uh, ten bucks. Like oh, I, I had a couple of couple that with with five laps to go didn't matter whether Max or um, Charles won because Sergio actually had fastest lap for a while there. Very disappointing. It's very hard to find a to find. A- can I can I can I tell you my ones? The, yeah. the, these are the ones I I, I put a few uh, hedges on. Science podium finish. Hamilton Bottas top six. Ricardo and Norris points finish. 
nah, no chance in hell there. Yeah. Leclerc for Stappen and Sainz podium. Hamilton and Russell top six. Max Magnussen points finished. I got two thirds of that right. If if Hamilton did finish in the top six, I would have been laughing. I think so, I had that uh, one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, there's quite a few. Quite <laughs> that's a few. just that's just uh, another lesson learned. Um, but I'll never learn the lesson, as we all know. So I don't know why I keep saying it. Um, individual driver wise, um, I think Nicholas Latifi is showing himself to be a very concerning driver for Williams. But I guess it's not really going to show up because the team's having an absolute shocker. Uh, so I don't know where so that goes, Harry. You know, not good. Yeah, I think I think with everything like that for me, I'm finding it quite hard at this point to to really assess the drivers individually because we you haven't really got much to base them against. Yeah. Um but like yeah, Latifi and Williams is just really disappointing cuz Williams we we had such high hopes like we thought that this was it like they were had been you know they got Dalton they were going to Doriton they've got you know new regulations they're going to do the house they're going to save it all up and they just look yeah. shit like honestly they yeah I'm there's they nothing positive sad. for this out for either driver or team in at the Williams garage yeah it's there's nothing positive and they need they need something in, in Melbourne just to give them a boost let alone you know waiting for the first European race where there'll be a, I guess more updates and things like that um uh, you, we spoke about Kevin Magnuson earlier with the neck problems but he ended up with ninth, which is a great result, and I think he's really proving that this is, you know, he's got obviously got to work on his fitness and do some do some stuff to 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 prepare for the season. That you know, you can't take away from him. He had no idea who was going to do it, so that's only fair. Um, Pierre Gasly, you know, didn't have a bad showing because he finished eighth. He, you know, the, with with one car out, they probably paired that one back and just went, you know what, Connor, I, we need to finish this race. Yeah, and I think the concerns of of last week, you know, must have played on AlphaTauri's mind without yeah. a question. They they had to basically go into conservative mode, and probably the right decision in the end. Whatever will happen now going into Melbourne, it's going to be very interesting to see how fast they'll go. But I think they'll be looking forward to get back to Europe and get those upgrades done and make sure that the car's reliable for the remainder of the season. Let's Harry, get through the early flyaway races. Harry George Russell. I mean, we talked about him quickly earlier, but, you know, he is having a nice sleeper of a season. We'll find out shortly from Connor where he's actually sitting. But um, oh, you, I, you'd be pleasantly I think it's surprised. A, I think it's a great start to the year for him, and, and he should be very mm. pleased with how he's, um, you know, proving himself in that team. Yeah, I don't think they could have asked anything more from him. With the state no. of the car, where like, I think he, he has exceeded what, what was probably expectation from the team to begin the year. He's yeah, he's just having a, he's having a cracker, and I really like that Bottas is doing well too because because yeah. then it's not like you know oh he could have been in that seat the whole time and he's held back like Bottas is showing in Alpha that you know what racing against probably who someone who will go down as arguably one of the world the best drivers of all time if not the best driver of all time you you know that's a that's a high bar to compete with week in week out yeah. Um, just finally, before we do the championship points, Daniel Ricciardo had had a pretty good race overall. He had strategically an early stop, which uh, he took advantage of safety car and got ahead. Like he was ahead of Lando. Um, uh, Lando also said before the start of the race that um, Daniel had the advantage of, of fresh, hard tires, multiple sets. So I did think there was going to be two stops. Um, Lando didn't, but you know Daniel should have finished um, higher. Uh, it's very sad that he that his engine failed. Um, it's not a good look for the team. But again, it's gonna it's gonna reflect badly on Daniel because not everyone watches every race like us and analyzes everything. A lot of people, Connor, 
Just look at the result. Yeah, and that's probably an unfair comparison because Daniel should have finished in the points. He he drove very, very well. And I, I've got to say that the McLaren performance was for better improved compared to last week. I mean, last week was just a disaster for they McLaren. Actually, they actually felt like they made a step up. Yeah. So it was very disappointing to see Daniel retire, but not everyone's going to see beyond that. They're going to say, oh, Daniel's failed to finish. You know, his drive's now in question. It's all that politics again that I think yeah. everyone just gets sick and tired of. It's like the, it's like headline grabbing. Just just leave it alone and just let let McLaren try and rebuild. You know, it's it's they're not going to have a good season as as far as I'm concerned, but they can just only improve from here on. And yep. look, Lando got points. He got their first points of the season in this race, but could have been Daniel. All right, let's talk World Championships, Connor. Um, let's go constructors first. Where do we sit mm. now after uh, two races? I'm assuming Ferrari have a decent uh, hold on the constructors' lead because they've had two strong races. Two strong races and they lead by 40 points ahead of Mercedes. So 78 points Ferrari ahead of Mercedes on 38, but only by one point ahead of Red Bull on 37. So they now take third position. Alpine a fourth on 16 points. Haas dropped back two spots to fifth on 12 points, but that's not bad. They're, they're doing very well to be in the top five. Alfa Romeo, a six on nine points. Alfa Tauri, eight points. And McLaren get their first points of the season on six points with Aston mm. Martin and Williams still uh, yet to score. score. And it's interesting, eighth, ninth, and tenth are the teams that are powered by Mercedes-Benz. So it's yeah. quite concerning. Not good. Drivers' championship? Drivers' Championship sees Charles Leclerc lead by only 12 points. Not much at the moment. It is a Ferrari 1-2, though. So Leclerc leading Carlos Sainz 45-33. Max Verstappen finally gets himself on the board with that win, 25 points. George Russell, 22 points. He's now fourth, only six points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. So that is going to be very interesting as the season progresses. Who's going to be the lead uh, Mercedes driver this season? Esteban Ocon, currently six on 14 points. Sergio Perez on the board as well with 12 points, sitting equal seventh with uh, Kevin Magnussen as well. Then it's Valtteri Bottas in ninth on eight points. And Lando Norris rounds at the top 10 on six points. It's uh, You know what? I, I'm excited. I think it's a great year. I think the rules are good. Um, there's clearly Jensen made a point. Um, he, he observed poorly in commentary basically, but he observed, I think boys that, uh, the, they were, they were sticking together on the twisty bits and that's important. That's a big observation, which might play well into mm. later in the year, Harry. Well, let's yeah. And see, that's, that was, you know, that was my biggest problem with this track and this race is that formula one keeps making the dumb decisions that go against good racing. So they've they've put these cars together, these regulations that clearly freaking work, but then we still, you know, just prioritize, you know, money and sports washing to these shit tracks, which result in shit racing, which, you know, if we're, you know, you're these good classic tracks with these cars, imagine what they can do, but we're going to have half the calendar that's going to be full of tracks like this, where you can't overtake, they're just going to be bunched together and it doesn't, it's not that much better that they're going to be closer together than it was last year if you still can't actually pull the move. Um, Can I ask a controversial question with regards to Australia? Should the Australian track have been changed given what we've got now with the cars and the closeness of the racing and stuff? Like, I get the – yeah, I'm just – I'm curious as to whether the track needed to change and whether it plays into these these new cars. Mm. 
or whether the change mm. actually plays into the old cars. I don't know. I cannot give we'll you an answer. We'll only find out in two weeks. <laughs> we'll find yeah, out in two exactly weeks, right. won't we? We yeah. will. April the 8th uh, is race day, Sunday afternoon race, about 3 p.m. I think it is. 4 p.m. 3 p.m., yep. Um, so can't wait for that. It's going to be great to have the circus back in town. Uh, I think zero risk of cancellation because we don't give a rat's about COVID anymore. Um, neither does Formula One, clearly. Um, it just seems we're all living with it, which is great, which is the way it should be. So we've got a week off and then April 8th at um, uh, Albert Park, Victoria for the Australian Grand Prix boys. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the cars on the track. Can't wait to see whether or not we get some, a little bit of a mix up of those placings because it is, you know, a flyaway. There could be some work, work have been done since testing. Hopefully some new parts are shipped. Uh, otherwise we'll have to wait until uh, when they get to maybe even Spain in, in mid-May before the biggest changes to to the lineup occur, I would suggest. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens, Connor, Harry. Um, rest up and enjoy your week. Um, we'll speak to you uh, for Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix. Oh, absolutely. At a daytime. Not yes, in the middle of in the a night. daytime too. <laughs> All right, boys. See you then. See you. Bye.